the gospel reading, John 15. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of the world is judged. Here ends the gospel. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. One little sentence. That's going to be our text for today. Not even a whole verse. And in the context of the Bible passage that Pastor read before the children's message, the uh, the Pentecost story, it's not even all that significant, right? Right? Because if we would have been in the presence of those disciples on that day when Pentecost happened, and we would have seen all the extraordinary events that took place on that day, I think we would have lost this point. It wouldn't have been all that significant, would it? That some guy by the name of Peter gets up and starts talking. Today's Pentecost Sunday. It's a day when we remember what happened on Pentecost. Now, we might call it the first Pentecost. For us in the New Testament, it would be the first Pentecost. But Pentecost actually was a religious holiday for the Jews. And what they would do is celebrate Pentecost 50 days after the second day of the Passover. And on this particular Pentecost, some rather extraordinary things happened. To be honest with you, the extraordinary thing started way back at the Passover. Because on this particular year, when the Passover took place, there were some events that took place around the Passover meal that drew everybody's attention away, perhaps, from the Passover itself. Because on that day, the day of the Passover, this man that many thought would be the Messiah was arrested. He was carried off into trial... He was convicted of a crime that would cause him to be executed, and then he was executed upon the cross. Now, execution wasn't all that extraordinary. Crucifixion wasn't all that extraordinary. It happened quite often, quite honestly, because when the Romans came in, whenever there was a criminal that was guilty of a crime, they would crucify this person. And in fact, on this very day, when this particular man, this uh, Messiah, perhaps, was crucified, on either side of him was another criminal, two of them, that were uh, crucified, one on each side. But what was extraordinary about this was that this man, this Jesus, was revered by the crowds. He, He was a good man. He was a man who taught with power and authority. He's a man that healed people. He did wonderful miracles. He even raised people from the dead. Crowds would come and gather around him. 
because they wanted to be blessed by him. They wanted to hear his teachings. This was a guy filled with compassion and kindness and wonder and love. He welcomed children. He welcomed sinners. He didn't deserve to die. But what's probably the most extraordinary thing about that particular Passover was not his death, but that three days later something extremely extraordinary happened. Reports started going around Jerusalem that this Jesus was alive. That he, even though he had been put into the grave three days earlier, verified as dead, was no longer in the grave, but alive. And not only that, but he had ascended into heaven as the Son of God and sits at the throne of God at the right hand of the Father. And he promised his disciples, his followers, that he would send the Holy Spirit. And on this particular Pentecost, the extraordinary kept happening. The disciples, the, the 11 that followed him, were gathered together in a room. And suddenly the room was filled with a mighty wind. And pretty soon these, these tongues of fire, what looked like tongues of fire, were appearing above their heads. And as they left that room and they went out into the streets and started talking to the crowds, the crowds started gathering around them. And they heard these men preach. But what was most extraordinary to, uh, to these people was that these people that had traveled to Jerusalem from around the world, they had traveled from around the world, from Africa, from Asia, from Middle East, from all around, speaking different languages, they had come to observe the Passover. And they stuck around for a couple of months, for seven or weeks or so, until the Pentecost. If you're going to make the trip, you might as well celebrate longer, Right? And they were there listening to these people talking. But these 11 disciples were Galileans. They were uneducated. And when the people from around the world heard them speaking, they weren't hearing them in Aramaic, the common language. They weren't hearing them speak in Hebrew. They weren't hearing them speak in the international language of Greek. They were hearing them speak in their own language. Every person heard 11 men speak in their own language. They were speaking in tongues, a gift of the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of all of this, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and he addressed them. Now that seems rather ordinary though, doesn't it? I mean, there's always somebody who's willing to get up and, and talk, right? But what was really extraordinary about this was not that an ordinary man would get up and speak, but that this was Peter. Folks, we're talking about Peter here. You know Peter. The guy that always seemed to end up looking like a big buffoon, right? The guy who took this size 12 foot and stuck it squarely in his size 5 mouth. You know what I'm talking about? We're talking about this Peter who was invited by Jesus along with James and John to go up on this mountainside and to pray with him. And as they were praying, he was nodding off. He was having a hard time staying awake until, until all of a sudden Jesus' appearance started changing and his clothes became a dazzling white and light radiated from him. And there, together with Jesus, all of a sudden there, was, there were two men, two men who had long since, centuries earlier, left this earth. <coughs> and a God to be with the Lord in heaven. Moses and Elijah. 
And Moses and Elijah and Jesus were having this conversation. And John and James were sitting there in awe. Taking a moment of silence. Just taking it all in. But not Peter. He interrupts them. Can you imagine interrupting Elijah and Moses and Jesus who were having a conversation? He interrupts them and he offers, Oh, it's so good to be here, guys. Tell you what, let's build three tents and we can hang out here together. Tents? Seriously, Peter? Are you telling me you're going to make tents for Elijah and Moses and Jesus? Three people, individuals who had stood before the throne of God and had taken up residence there, and you want them to live in tents here on this earth? I never misspeak. I, I never say the wrong words. I never put my foot in my mouth. Do you? So we're talking about this Peter. This, this Peter who, together with the other 11 disciples, are out on the sea of Galilee one morning, very early in the morning. And they're fighting the winds and the waves of the Sea of Galilee as they are buffeted by wave after wave that's coming. And there in the distance, in the darkness of the early morning, is a figure walking on water. And one of the disciples sees it and says, it's a ghost! And they're all afraid. And then they hear this quiet voice saying to them, do not be afraid, it's I. It's me, Jesus. Don't be afraid. Now Peter, he wanted proof. And so he says to Jesus, Jesus, if this is really you, and get this, he doesn't ask for something ordinary. He goes for the extraordinary. Jesus, if it's really you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, we got to give the guy credit, right? Jesus said, come. And Peter did have the courage to get up out of the boat. And guess what? He walked on water. By faith in Jesus Christ, listening to him, he was able to walk on water until he saw the next wave coming. And then he was frightened. I never doubt Jesus. I, I never have full faith in him and then one minute and then the next minute doubt. Do you? We're talking about Peter. We're talking about Peter who was invited to dinner together with the other 11 disciples to celebrate the Passover meal with this Jesus and in the course of the meal, when the conversation uh, kind of came around to it, Jesus looked at the 12 disciples and he said, all of you are going to desert me. You're all going to lose me tonight. And Peter, in all his arrogance and boldness, his audacity said, if all these other guys leave you, I will never fall away. Right. We know how that ends, don't we? Jesus told him exactly what was going to happen. And guess what? Even though he knew what was going to happen, even though Jesus had warned him, he lost Jesus not once, not twice, but three times before the sun ever came up and the rooster crowed. 
I never lose my way and lose Jesus. I never lose sight of Jesus. Do you? Folks, what was extraordinary about this statement is that not that somebody stood up and talked, but it was Peter, broken Peter. A pastor tells a story of an event that took place when he was a child. He and his family sat down in front of the television, and together as a family, they were watching a variety show that was popular back in the day when that, that uh, young man, when that boy, uh, pastor was a young man. And on the variety show, there was a guest, and this guest had set up a table in front of him, and in front of him was a whole bunch, a whole myriad of, of crystal glasses, all different sizes, all different shapes. And each one of them was filled with a little bit of water, some a lot of water, some just a little. And the man was telling the audience that he could make those glasses sing. Every one of them had a little bit of water except for one that was off to the side, completely empty. The man dipped his fingers into water and he began to caress the rims of the glasses sometimes one at a time, sometimes two together that would sing in perfect harmony, sometimes short little notes like staccato and then others where he would hold on to a note for a long period of time and he kept going. His hands were moving faster and faster and sometimes his hands were one was moving then the other. He hit every single glass that was on that table except for the one that was off to the side. And the little boy that was watching the television kept wondering, can the empty glass sing? And the master just kept going, playing, and his hands were moving faster and faster and faster. The music got more and more melodious. It got louder and louder, and it built to a crescendo. And then at the very end, when the final note was to be done, he went over and caressed the rim of that glass, and the most beautiful, the best note of the whole song played at the very end. The empty glass sung. Because you see, my friends, it's not about the empty glass. It's about the one who makes the glass sing. When we see Peter up there preaching, we see a broken man. We see a man who doubts. We see a man, a man who speaks out of, out of impulse. We see a man who, who hurts others with his words. We see a man who gets lost once in a while. But it's not about the empty glass. It's about him who makes him sing. That empty vessel, Peter, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit made a fisherman preach. Preach a powerful sermon. This uneducated Galilean was able to recall scriptures from the Old Testament and apply them to the Messiah. 
He was able to take the Old Testament and make it sing in the New Testament so that the people could understand that Jesus had risen from the dead. He was able to take a broken man and help him to heal lives. He was able to take tax collectors and revolutionaries and make them into powerful evangelists. He was able to take deserters and doubters and make them into witnesses. And the results were extraordinary. If we would read on in Acts chapter 2, we, we understand that about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Because you see, it's not about the empty glass. It's about him who makes the glass sing. Folks, you and I have been given a command. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age, but go. As you go about your way, make disciples of all nations. He says to you and me, you will be my witnesses to the world around you. And we look at ourselves and we go, how can something broken like me offer healing to somebody else? How can I, a sinner, offer forgiveness to anybody else? How can I, a fickle, doubtful, lost human being, be a witness for the Lord God? How can somebody so ordinary do something so extraordinary? And folks, I want to tell you, it's not about the empty glass. It's not about the broken vessel. It's about him who makes the glass sing. Because folks, you are the temple of the Lord. The day that you were baptized, the day that you were brought to faith, the Holy Spirit came upon you and took up residence in your heart. He gives you the power. He's the one that makes this empty glass sing. And folks, every time you share the love of Jesus, you're preaching a sermon. When you go to the hospital and you offer a prayer and a Bible passage to a hurting friend, you are offering the healing words of God. You're preaching when everybody else in youth Bible class is silent and don't, doesn't respond to a question and you offer an answer and share your faith with somebody else, you are preaching the word of God to those that are around you. When you stand up as a godparent for a child, when you teach vacation Bible school or help with Sunday school, when you read a Bible story as a parent, a grandparent, an aunt or an uncle to a little child, you are preaching the love of Jesus into the life of the least of these. When you see somebody bullied in the hallway or somebody being taken advantage of in the workplace, when you stand up for justice and defend the unborn, you are preaching the acceptance of Jesus the love of God into our world. When you help a needy neighbor or lend a helping hand to someone in need, you are preaching a sermon about the love of a God who loves everyone. 
Friends, you and I have been called to preach. And even though we doubt, even though we admit our failures and our weaknesses, even when we're afraid that we're going to, to say the wrong words, we don't have to be afraid. Because Jesus says, it is I. I've sent you my spirit. It's not about the empty glass. It's about him who makes it sing. Amen.